I'm Dr. Rachel Monades, and when I need tech help, these are my go-to guys. Welcome to another edition of Tosa's Talking Tech, the place for your podcasts and the how-tos of the tech available in the Bassett Unified School District. I'm Michael Jeffcott, a technology integration specialist here at Bassett Unified School District. And I'm Tom Covington, the other tech specialist in BUSD. And in today's podcast, we will be going over what happened at Q. We'll also be having an interview with Dr. Rachel Menares, head of educational services in the Bassett Unified School District. Uh, and lastly, we're going to be talking about what to do before you put in a tech ticket. Hope you enjoy. So on today's show, we're going to be talking about our trip up to Q Fall that Which, happened uh, in Vallejo. Mike, what does Q stand for? Um... Computer Using Educators, I believe. That is correct. And they have a um, two conferences a year, one up north uh, near Vallejo and the second out in Palm Springs. And what this does is it brings together a whole bunch of computer using educators together to talk about what they're doing in the classroom uh, and to share ideas with each other. Um, it was a great opportunity that Mike and I had to go to this conference uh, and so we're going to be talking about a couple of the most interesting thing we learned inside a session and then the most interesting thing that we learned outside of a session uh, because we are bright computer using educators. We never stopped learning while we were there. Continually growing. Continually growing. That's right. The second part of our podcast today is going to be a great interview we did with uh, Dr. Rachel Menares. She is the head of the educational services department for the Bassett Unified School District and uh, our boss. And she's going to be talking to us about tech and uh, why we need tech in our schools. Today, we're going to be continuing our discussion on the SAMR model. Uh, and Mike, what's our topic for today? Uh, the substitution portion of uh, the SAMR. Yeah, we, we're going to be taking over the next four podcasts, one letter of the SAMR, S-A-M-R model, uh, and breaking it down and telling you how it's used, what are the advantages, disadvantages, how to use it in a classroom, stuff like that. Um, and then lastly, we're going to have our Before You Ticket segment where we're going to discuss a couple of things uh, to make sure that you've done everything you can before you put in that tech ticket. So before we do that today, let's hop into our segment on our queue. So yes, Tom, we went up to uh, Napa Valley or Vallejo. Well, officially it was Vallejo because yes. whenever you say we go up to Napa Valley, everybody thinks we're not doing work. Yeah, no, Vallejo. And we went attended the Q Fall 2015, two-day it was two day for us. I yeah, believe the whole conference, maybe three day. Yeah, there was a there was a an additional day at the beginning if we wanted to, but I think uh, our time only allowed us to hit the the, the two days. Some incredible sessions, uh, something like eight sessions a day. Oh yeah, there was a lot that we chose. They had a whole app surrounding just their fall conference with all the sessions, so you could like click on them and figure out which ones you were going to. And honestly, I think it it took me probably about two and a half, three hours just to figure out what I was going to attend. Cause there were so many things that I liked and so many of the descriptions that I read that I was like, Ooh, I can do that. Or, Ooh, I'm interested in that. There had to be what? 60, 70 different sessions. Oh yeah. There was a ton that you could choose from. Very yeah. nice selection. 
Um, so uh, talking about those sessions, what was the most interesting thing you learned within one of your sessions, Mike? Or the thing that stuck out to you most? You know, current trends right now with coding. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, introducing computer science to uh, elementary students. Yeah, that's really big right now. Very big right now. Everybody's heard of Hour of Code. And uh, related to that, they have a lot of uh, programming sessions, uh-huh. coding, uh, block coding, using little robots to code with, droids, uh, drones. And what was the, the one thing that we learned that we can code that we were all excited about? Ah, our BB-8s, which we didn't realize from the company called Spiro that uh, allows you to program. So in case you've been living under a rock for the past, I don't know, what, six months, uh, BB-8 is one of the new droids in the uh, Star Wars Force Awakens movie. And um, Sphero uh, came out with a version of it um, that you could control with your iPhone. And so that in and of itself was pretty cool for us, that you could control this little bot with your cell phone. But now... Mike, through a session, learned what? What could we? What could we do now with it? You can write a whole scripts of code using block uh, coding, which is nice way for an introduction to elementary students and myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just not having to look at lines of code. They actually take lines of code and put it into a block for you, and you drag and drop the function that you want your little robot to do. And you just very nice way, no typing involved. Drag drop and test your program. So yeah, uh, we found out there were a bunch of different apps that could do this. What was your favorite uh, coding app that you found uh, through that session, Mike? You know, I went to two different sessions and within those two, I think they introduced 12 different apps that you can use for coding. But I have to say the most popular one that I saw and I liked was Tickle. And and what was different about Tickle that you liked so much from these other apps? With Tickle, it allows you to control about 12 different types of drones, uh, robots, everything from Sphero to uh, Dosh and Dash and Dot, which is a new one out, um, to three or four different types of uh, dro- uh, drones that you can control. So very versatile, this Tickle app. Very versatile. It even has um, online courses within the app itself. And uh, so pre-made lessons on how to code and set stuff up for the different bots. And uh, all of them seem to be related to an organization called uh, code.org, which I found out locally. We have a lot of sessions in the Los Angeles area that they offer on Saturdays completely free. Wow. They give you curriculum to use with your students. Uh So it's it's focused for the teacher to be able to implement in a classroom. It, they are geared towards teachers Very nice. introducing coding to students. Very nice. How about yourself? Um, I went to um, a session on podcasting, which was kind of funny. Uh, we started our little podcast journey right before we went to Q. Um, it was something I had done once before, and I kind of wanted to get back into. I know it's a quick way to reach a large audience of people. And not only that, it's um, a little bit different from, say, like a radio or video where it's kind of like a single serving, I can get to it when I need it, um, you know, download it for later type of thing. And I listen to podcasts on various topics, education, Star Wars, you know, whatever. And I noticed that, you know, it was a, it made the time pass on my commute to and from work. 
or when I'm sitting there on the treadmill, you know, time flies by when I'm listening to something, especially that I'm really interested in. And so I figured I'd go to the the podcasting session. And you know what? There was a lot of people in that session. And the guys that were leading the session, they were doing a live podcast really? while the session was on. Yeah, they're like, okay, hey, here we go. We're going to start our podcast. And so they, you know, did their little intro and they had their little music. And they're like, okay, hey, here we are live from Q. And I'm like, oh my God, this is genius. <laughs> so um, I'm like, maybe we can do that at one of our trainings. Yeah. Hey, here we are live from PBL 101. Well, what is, it's just such a great tool for delivering a topic. Yeah. That you can just sit there, listen to whatever you can have in the background going on and just incredible way instead of a training where you have to get people to come to your training you can send out the training to them yeah this is like a little self-serve and what they talked about was getting an audience or getting a following talking about something that you you really are passionate about so that you you know have a lot of content and you keep doing it but also that the itunes store isn't the only place for getting podcasts either there's a whole bunch of apps for android and for you know windows and iphone besides just the podcast app there's apps like downcast Overcast, which is a podcast player. Uh, there's Stitcher Radio. There's Pocket Cast. There's iCatcher Podcast Player. And a lot of the third-party music streaming apps like Spotify and Pandora and I know iHeartRadio, they're starting to incorporate the ability to download a podcast into their app as well. Because if they can open those doors, they figure, well, if you listen to your, your podcast in iHeartRadio, maybe you'll stop and listen to a station too. So there's a lot of options out there. All you really need is the podcast feed. And, um, you know, obviously you found our podcast feed, whether it was on iTunes or, or on our district website. Uh, but all you need is our feed and you can, you can access the podcast from anywhere. So I thought that, you know, number one, we're not alone out there. And well, that's kind of like, oh, I want people to listen to us. It's like, good, there's a demand for this. But also, number two, that we have resources we can reach out to if we get stuck or, you know, hey, let's have a, a joint podcast with another educator out there and see what their issues are out in Northern California versus Southern California type of thing. I know you talked about that before. Yeah. Reaching out to other I, I reached Tosas out. And, and as soon as I, I hear get some uh, callback from some of these other Tosas that are doing podcasts like us, we're going to have a, a joint podcast. So a, that's pretty exciting. Incredible way to collaborate yeah. with others. It's yeah, a podcast. Hey, we're t we're talking about tech. Hey, you're talking about tech. What what kind of tech issues do you have that are the same? And and how are you helping your people? And what can I do that you're doing? And what can you do this? So it was a great way to not only collaborate but exponentially expand the audience and and our audience's um, ability to get new information. So I thought that that was pretty exciting and interesting. And I was glued. And uh, of course, while they were podcasting live audio. They were also doing um, some video casting on the Blurb app. Okay. So it's, it's like Periscope or they have some of these other live streaming apps where they basically set up a webcam and started streaming while we were there. So it was kind of fun. So we were on video and on audio streaming. Oh, fantastic. And we'll put the, uh, the name of the show and the, the host of the show in the, in the notes. The podcast is actually called um, Check This Out. Check and this out. Yeah, I've heard of that. It's on. It's on the iTunes store. Heard of those so. guys. So yeah, just educators like us doing what we're doing, trying to get information out to the masses. Um, but you know, like I said in the intro, besides just sessions, I think that we learned some stuff outside of our sessions as well. I mean, that that whole weekend was just full. And uh, what was the the outside of a session we were kind of talking about earlier? What was what was the thing that you learned or that most interests you outside of one of those Q sessions? 
You know, and it probably interested me even more because of the session I attended, but everyone's seen drones. We've seen them in the news, everything like that. But outside of a session, a guy, both days, lunchtime, had a drone going. And this thing had to be somewhere north of $2,000 drone. And uh, he was flying it around above the uh, Napa Valley High School. And uh, as we watched it, after learning these new coding apps, you could see that it was on a path. This guy had programmed this device because he was talking away to a, a few other teachers or techs that were there. And this thing was just doing its own program going around. He had to have this thing programmed. There's no way you could have this thing flying around without. Yeah, yeah we were standing there watching it for a good, I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour. That yeah. thing flew that whole time. And we watched it go up side to side. And then we watched it make a circuit of this huge quad at this high school that we were at. Um, it kind of got low. It went high. I know that there was a camera on it too. And the guy had a live feed to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was, you know, not having the coding class like you did. I was still amazed by this thing just flying around on its own. It was, it was pretty incredible to watch. We did have in our session, uh, they brought in a tiny drone for inside the classroom with a cage barrier around it. Uh So it was safe. You could have it in our indoor and they ran a program on that. And Uh that's why when we walked outside, I was like, that he must be doing the same type of programming with that larger. And this was probably a what, three foot by three foot six oh, yeah. blade. Yeah, it had a huge wingspan. outside. Yeah, I was, it was pretty impressive when it was flying, and then pretty, I, I thought it was a little scary when it was coming down. <laughs> yeah. like, it That's going to cut somebody's finger off. Yeah, it was a monster. There was no cage around that no. thing, no guards, blades open. Guy knew what he was doing, though, yeah. so it was nice. How about yourself? Anything uh, that grabbed you outside of a... <laughs> you know, session. there. I noticed that that uh, everybody that went to Q, number one, was really passionate about all they did. But number two, that that Q, and they're at Q.org, um, they have so many things besides this one conference that we went to. They have another one in March in Palm Springs. But there are whole, these uh, sessions called Rockstar Teacher Sessions where they go out and they do these tiny sessions with like 15 to 20 participants. And it's all about either how you're using tech or how to really, really be a rock star with tech in your classroom. And they go over strategies. They teach you how to do um, some of these different apps and ideas. And it's just a whole weekend of just wow. And uh, they're becoming really, really popular. So popular, in fact, that this whole year was sold out uh, almost before it started. Yeah, you could see all the veterans that have been before. They oh, had yeah. the t-shirts going on at the conference. Few rock star t-shirts. And what I liked about, and I mean, talk about the evolving face of education. Q next year is going to have two new camps. Uh, the first one is an administrator camp where administrators get to go and become computer using administrators and just learn how to incorporate that into their daily lives so that they can, well, not keep up with teachers, but provide a good example of what um, a tech-using educator really looks like. And then the other one is um, the TOSA Rockstar. So specifically for, you know, tech specialists like me and you who've been pulled out of the classroom and are now responsible for getting tech to everybody, they're having some new sessions on just that. So I'm like, okay, I want I want that calendar. I really want to be able to go. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to get on that and try and get signed up for that yeah, TOSA Rockstar. And to be that excited about, oh my gosh, I want to go to this conference and learn, it's... It's infectious, you know, the the area around there and everybody talking together and everybody just coming together and sharing. It was infectious, that spirit of, yes, let's get this in the classroom. Yes, we can do this and we can really up the, you know, 
the chance of success and relevance and interest with our students. So it was nice. It was really good two days. I was really yeah. you know invigorated by that and came back excited and ready to go. Some great takeaways from that. And really, it re-energized you to get back, work with teachers, share that technology, share those apps that you saw, and how to integrate that technology into the lessons. Yeah, so I already filled out my conference request for the the spring queue. And I'm like, I got to take some of my teachers with me. So we'll see how many we're allowed to take. Yeah. But I'm really excited to get going on that. That would be great. And now for part two of our podcast, uh, we're going to be doing an interview today. Mike, you want to go ahead and introduce our guest? We have Dr. Rachel Menares, our Executive Director, Chief Academic Officer, who is in charge of educational service here at Bassett Unified School District. Welcome to our podcast. Hi there. We have a couple questions we're going to be going over today. Uh, basically, this is just to get you uh, introduced to our staff and let them get to know you a little bit better and your role within our district and especially within the changes uh, we're doing with technology. Sounds good. So first off, um, how'd you get your start in education? I started in 1994. I was a history major from UC Irvine and you know, you're a history major and people are like, what are you going to do with that? And um, I was kind of going between education and law school. And then surprisingly, what really took me into education was that was the time when um, the Rodney King uh, riots took place. And this may be controversial to many, but as I sat there and watched um, people looting and I saw, of course, some of the looting that was, you know, televisions and things like that. But when I saw families or I saw people taking out diapers and milk and basic necessities, I said to myself, no one should ever have to um, do something to that extent for some basic necessities. I want to contribute to make this a better place to live for all, and um, and I'm going to do that through education because I just know that working with children is um, where I think we can make a difference, or at least myself in terms of future generations. So I went into education, and I distinctly remember my first year teaching and driving into the parking lot probably – I don't know, fourth or fifth week in and said, oh, my God, I love my job. I'm in the right place. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. And um, I was guided into the right path. During the beginnings, did you have a favorite grade level that you taught at or subject that you preferred? So I've taught um, fifth grade. I was a special education teacher. So then where I was working, you worked all grade levels in that um, at the elementary setting. And then I moved to the middle school, and I taught um, seventh and eighth graders. And my most favorite still is my fifth graders. I love that age group. I love that curriculum. Again, being a history major, I was able to bring in um, language arts with the study of U.S. history. So it was definitely the right fit for me. And to this day, I say that I'm going to retire in a fifth grade classroom because that is my favorite grade to teach. I like my eighth graders. But I love my fifth graders. Okay. Uh, what is the biggest educational risk you've ever taken? So I've been thinking a lot about that because there's many risks. You know, I was a uh, Claremont graduate university. That's where I got my, my degrees in my teaching credential, my master's, and my doctorate. And so very early on, starting from the teaching credential, they kind of train you to be a risk taker. I didn't really understand what that meant as a, you know, as a brand new teacher. I was very young. Um, but... It's just the way I went in. So 
I've always thought about anything I do with um, with students, with teachers, with parents, always kind of pushing the envelope to the next level because I really believe in excellence. But if I were to narrow it down to kind of one thing that really pushed me, my biggest, my biggest, um, I guess, event, it was stepping away from the classroom because I love teaching. Um, I think I'm pretty good at it. Um, I think that I'm able to... Um, it comes back very naturally, actually, when I work with staff as a principal. All of a sudden, you start to just just tap back into those skills of how you keep people engaged and how you're connecting what um, maybe somebody said to what somebody else said. So leaving the classroom and not being around um, students each and every day was probably the big, biggest educational risk because um, I was afraid that I wasn't going to be happy anymore. And when, when did you get into that? Uh, administration level? Um, so I kind of went some non-traditional routes. I was um, a teacher in the classroom, I want to say about 12 years between elementary and middle school. And then I moved to the district level as a teacher specialist, um, where I worked with secondary teachers, specifically um, on how to make content accessible to English learners. And then I just, so that was still like a teaching position. I wasn't evaluating or doing any of that work yet. Um, and then I s decided, all right, I wanted to make a different kind of impact. And I went into administration. I actually applied for an assistant principal position, but they said, you have enough experience. We're going to put you into an elementary. And lucky me, I got placed in. But it was the best experience ever. Um, our elementary school that was furthest in PEI status, but it was just this tiny little school that just really just needed some strong leadership and support. And that was back, I think, in 2007. So since 2007, officially an administrator. And so, then what brought you over here to Bassey Unified School District? So another kind of big risk that I took, um, let's see, about three years ago, I guess it's been three years, is um, I, I started my career, my teaching, um, my, what, what is it called? Student teaching, there you go. I, I was actually an intern, but um, in Pomona Unified. And so I was in Pomona Unified for 18 years. I kind of say I grew up in Pomona. And, um, and then um, a, an opportunity opened up, and I applied for a position as an assistant superintendent in Santa Rosa, which is in Sonoma County, and that's Northern California. And so... Um, but my husband is, is, is a classroom teacher. He teaches physical education. And so I was doing kind of a crazy back and forth on a weekly basis, um, flying up there, doing the work, loving the work, because I really love instruction and, and leading that work, um, and then coming home. And as much as I loved it, it was too much on myself and my family. And so I was looking for um, a return back to Southern California, knew that I wanted to grow in terms of my knowledge and see what other districts are doing. And um, when I was a teacher in Pomona, I always heard about uh, Bassett mm -hmm. and Torch Middle School in particular, because at that time, um, or for many years actually, Torch was one of those schools that just was spoken of a lot in terms of what they were doing with middle school students. And so when I saw an opportunity to come to Bassett, to be in a small district, which is very unusual for me, I've always been in large districts. Um, I jumped at it, and, you know, I started in Bassett as the director of special education, and I, um, that was a little scary because although I had been a principal and I 
completely understand um, the ins and outs of sitting in on an IEP um, and what instructional programs should look like. The, um, the compliance side of special education is a whole new, um, was a new area for me. Um, but I'm glad that I did it because it gave me a completely different view of what needs to happen in special education and that just made me um, more well-rounded. So I came to BUSD, um, one, because it was, of course, close to home. But I don't want it to sound like this wasn't, um, like it was kind of like a, I don't know, just because I had to. Mm -hmm. Because the population here, the community, is exactly what I was doing, the group that I worked with in Pomona, and why I went into education in the first place. So it was a very nice fit. Why are we focusing on technology? I don't see how we cannot. Our students um, are, they, all you have to do is look at young children um, and how they engage with devices of any sort, and it is second nature to them. And so if we aren't um, learning how to best integrate what our children are coming in with and what is expected of them when they graduate our schools, whether they um, elect to go on to a university or a career path, they need to be able to engage with what's out there. And they need to be comfortable with learning um, software programs and apps and how to best work efficiently in a work setting, in a social setting. It, it is just, it's what we do in our society now. And if we were not to be in integrating that, it's really irresponsible of us. And that's why we're bringing it and making it an integral part of our curriculum here at BUSD? Exactly, and that it's not something that sits separately, um, but that it's, it's part of what our students are engaging with and creating through. So it's not, you know, just a device just to have a device, but it can be used on the most basic level for kids to practice some basic skills, um, to have books read aloud to them if that's what they need while they're learning how to read. And just as important, though, that they're creating products, they're creating presentations, they're, they're using it as a way to express what they know, both in the written, the spoken, and in the virtual form. Great. Thank you. And where do you see Bassett Unified School District in five years? So in five years' time, I see, I envision Bassett Unified as a district of excellence where all of the adults are pulling together to provide the most engaging rigorous and relevant learning opportunities for children where it's really a student-centered environment and we all understand what that means for our kids and how we as the adults have to interact with each other so it's high levels of collaboration it's high levels of accountability but many times I think that word accountability kind of rubs people the wrong way so if we think about it in terms of responsibility I think that leads us in a different direction because we all get the idea of being a responsible adult I also see that there is high levels of support and that that support comes up from those who work closest. The need for support comes up from those who work closest with the children. So that's coming from our classroom teachers and, um, and that we're listening and we're responding, but that also those of us who are in a positional power or district office or whatever we want to call it, that we're also pushing everybody to keep moving forward in, in a direction of um, upward, upward growth a byproduct of that will be that our assessments will show um, 
that our students are achieving at the highest level possible, but we're not talking about, we're thinking as much about our assessments as the teaching and learning process that's happening in the classrooms. Great. Um, being in charge of uh, educational services, we have a lot to do with curriculum and, and what students are being taught and, and the end product that we're trying to produce here at BUSD. Um, what are your top five descriptors of a BUSD graduate? The first one that comes to mind is an effective communicator. I don't. I think that it's um, that being able to communicate one's thoughts is probably the most powerful tool that we can um, provide to our our children. The other one is to be uh, a problem solver. We don't have to have all the answers, but how do we go about figuring out solutions and understanding that there's not just one solution? So that leads to my third one, I think, which is to be an effective listener. I want our students to understand how to listen to others. You know, we know that in the workforce, more and more it's about um, engaging with people, not just who are sitting right in front of us, but that are um, sitting in front of computers in different parts of the country, different parts of the world, and how to listen effectively and then engage in that conversation. Um, of course, the content knowledge that our students need, that there's no question in that area. Um, but I wouldn't count that as my top five only because I believe that, um, you know, there are many holes that I, I still have in my own learning. Um, and I'm learning every day all the time. And those, those skills can be constantly um, improved upon. But these other areas are this, this idea of being um, a successful adult, right? So there's the other part that I really think is important is to be uh, socially aware and to really want to contribute to the world in a real positive manner. You know, I, I'm a, a parent of a, I'm a single parent, I was for many years, and I raised my daughter until she was about 12, just the two of us. And what I would always say to her is, whatever you choose to do, of course, I want you to be happy. And I want your career path to be something where you're, you're making this a better world than what, what you came into. And if our children get that kind of thinking in their head from the very beginning, it's amazing what they can become, right? There's like no limitations. And I guess the fifth one is, so they're socially aware, that's really important to me, and that they act in both a local and a global manner. And I think they kind of go hand in hand. Great. Finally, how are you going to make that happen with our our students with a little bit of magic <laughs> no, a little pixie dust no I mean that's that's where it all goes back to that this is that's that building of a collaborative culture and a team because one person by themselves whether it's me or anybody else this would never it, it cannot happen one person's perspective is very narrow and so building a culture of collaboration understanding that it's a continuous cycle of improvement modeling that I think that goes back to that question about risk-taking, modeling that I'm taking risks and that I'm going to make mistakes and being okay with that, supporting the classroom teachers, the site principals to also do that, messaging with our parents that um, there is not one right answer. And even though we may have these, these titles and these credentials, um, we're still going to make mistakes, but we're always going to be doing things in the best interest of our children. And we um, welcome feedback to that. So you know, collaboration, teamwork, 
always kind of pushing the bar a little bit further because I just think that excellence is never attained. It's always just something you're working on. And modeling what that looks like, I would say, is how I've worked with teachers starting from being a teacher specialist to being a site principal and how I would continue. Okay, awesome. Well, I think that wraps up our interview for today. Uh, thank you very much for being our first guest. Thank you for having me. It was exciting. And we'll get back to the show right now. Okay, once again, we'd like to thank Dr. Menares uh, for coming in and spending the time uh, sitting down with us and being able to be on our podcast and talk to you all about tech and why it's needed in the classroom. Uh, and along that same line, we're going to talk about the uh, SAMR model right now on segment three. And we're going to talk about the substitution level of SAMR and what that means um, and how everybody starts at the S and, and kind of moves on from there. So uh, the, on the SAMR model, Mike, what does that S stand for again, just to remind everybody? So the S stands for substitution. So basically, it involves doing the same thing as you would do without technology, uh, without any modification to the task you're trying to do with your students. So if my students were taking notes on pencil and paper, now they're taking notes uh, yeah. on some technology form like word processing. Yeah, uh, Word or pages if you're using a Mac. Um, if you're, they're presenting, um, instead of standing in front of the class, they could use a PowerPoint or Prezi. Okay. So it's, it's, um, just substituting something we did analog with something now we're doing digitally. Yes. Okay. And, um, on the SAMR model, um, SAMR is S A M R. And usually the way it is presented, it's from the, the bottom s is at the bottom of this kind of ladder and a is on top and then m and r so at the top is r why is s at the bottom of this kind of ladder yeah, the s is your basics okay um it's basically substitution of something you do every day so you again paper and pencil you you do it on a device now or a computer and this doesn't really change the lesson at all you can remove um, what you're doing today and substitute. That's why it's called the substitute. You could substitute the digital in for uh, the analog and it doesn't change the lesson, but it also doesn't really change the interest level or the outcome of the students. No. If the students were bored taking notes before, just because they can type on a computer now, doesn't mean that the content or what they're doing is going to be more interesting. And I think that's the first thing we need to recognize. Yeah. Your engagement is not going to change greatly just because you introduce a device and you're doing the same content same yeah. way of teaching it but there is a place for for the SAMR model and, and the substitution level of SAMR and when most people start out trying to use technology in the classroom the first thing they do is they substitute what they're doing with something else you know that's like you know dipping the toe in the water okay how can I bring tech in um, what can I do that's safe uh, I don't want to have to change everything I'm doing but you know I just got these card of iPads. So I guess instead of reading out of our book, we're going to read off of the, uh, you know, a PDF on the, on the iPad now. And it makes sense. I mean, this is what teachers are comfortable with right away. This is what we're all comfortable with. This is how we do our planning. We use word processors. Um, we put a little presentation in front of the students. We use a PowerPoint now. Mm -hmm. So they're comfortable with this tech. Um, it does have its place. Yes, it does. And it is useful, just like, you know, some of the lower uh, levels of Bloom taxonomy are needed 
before you can build up to the next layer. This substitution model is needed to get yourself and your students familiar with how to learn and how to plan with technology. But this isn't the, the, the stopping point. We, we need to move past this. But the nice thing about substitution, it, it is much more effective than over a paper and pencil. Yes. You have to agree. I mean, saving a document, revising a document is just so much easier than the writing process if you have technology. You know, my background's English, and um, I don't think I could have gotten through college having to type everything out on a typewriter analog. Um, yeah, no. Uh, the the ability to go back and edit text, and uh, our students will never know the joys of having to use, <laughs> you know, the correction paper on oh, the, the, on the typewriter. That's right. And um, there there's something to say for that progress. Uh, but we need to keep progressing yes. through our use of technology. And yes, it's okay to start off with substitution. Everybody starts there. Yeah. Um, and it's a good way to get comfortable with using technology in the classroom. But it shouldn't just stop there. Yeah. There's a next level to, to uh, using tech in the classroom. And that's what the SAMR model really tries to address. How to advance your technology and how to, how to in integrate it. Where we go from the substitution method is up to augmentation. Um, and that's going to be the topic on our next podcast. We're going to really go over augmentation and how you get from substitution to augmentation. Um, so that we can really start, you know, evolving the use of tech within our classrooms. Let's go ahead and move on to um, our Before You Ticket. It's our last segment before we go. So one of the first things we, we tell everybody, um, especially when we're going out and doing trainings, you know, before you bring this before the students, before you try and start this integration of technology, always practice. Do a practice one with the equipment that you have, um, with any of the websites you're using, with all of your connections. You want to make sure that they're up and running because you never know the one time that you think it's all smooth and you're in a hurry and you don't practice, it can fall apart on you. Yeah, you always want to make sure you're logged in. And like Tom says, you have practiced that website. You've gone to it. You've tried that video beforehand and that it's up and running. And if you can go ahead and save it down to your hard drive, just to, so you know it's there, that's probably the best. Yeah, all the better. Yeah. Definitely download it if you can, if you have the software and you're able to do that. Yeah, that would probably be the best. Another thing with this, you always want to make sure that you have a plan B. No matter what technology is working, before you start, you just never know. Murphy's Law yep. comes into play. Everything that can go wrong will go wrong. And the last thing you want is dead time in front of students where you're trying to troubleshoot technology. That should not be the place you're troubleshooting. Yeah, the minute you uh, go off script and start trying to fix, kids just lose attention, and then you got to build all that back in. Yeah. It's just lost time. You need to have an analog version, something you can go to, paper, pencil, that you have a backup just in case. And so our last tip uh, for today is if you can't really view like a website or video that you're going to be using in your lessons, um, what do you do? Well, we have a couple different options. Number one, first and foremost, try another browser. If you're on a, a Mac, go to Safari. Um, see if you can access that video or that web page through Safari. Sometimes it's just a glitch in, in Chrome that you can't access certain websites at certain times or there's certain things with it that aren't compatible. So always try a different browser. And with our district, you need to make sure that you're not being blocked, that you are logged in, you have your credentials in, which is in our district, our email. Yeah, make sure that you're logged into that uh, firewall. Yeah. 
Sometimes logging into the firewall will get you past it and onto your content. Uh, but if not, and you've switched browsers and you've tried to input your firewall password, um, email IT. Yeah, you after your it, lesson. Yeah, copy down the, the website, um, the page you want to access, paste it in the email and tell them you want this website put on either the white list or the safe list. That's the, the you know the terms on the firewall so that you can access it and it'll kind of bypass that part of the firewall. Especially if it's something you use all the time that you're comfortable with, a piece of technology that enhances your lessons and you have definitely have used in the past and you want to continue using. Yeah, sometimes the, the web filters just don't know what to do with sites, so they ban them. Uh, my students were trying to check out a book through one of our local libraries, and the library wasn't on the white, you know, the safe list. list. That's yeah. right. So it was blocked, and the kids were like, it's a library. What's going on? Yeah. All I had to do was send in that email. Uh, a little tip on that, though. It's going to take time, depending on how busy your webmaster is, to unblock that site or to put that site on that list. So try it a couple of days ahead of time. Give yourself some build-in time. And once again, like Mike said earlier, always have a backup. Yeah. Very important with technology. So I think that's all the time we have for today. Uh, please join us next time when we're going to be talking about the augmentation part of the SAMR model. We're also going to be talking to our PBL uh, specialists here at the B at BUSD on bringing tech into our uh, PBLs to make them a little bit more relevant for the students. Um, and then we're going to have our tech tips for you like always. So may your tech always be working. May your tickets be answered quickly. And may you always remember to save. From the Dog Pound at the Bic, this is Tom Covington. And Michael Jeffcott saying goodbye for now.